Hello everyone and welcome to this Archives of Disease and Childhood Fetal Neonatal Edition podcast. My name is Jonathan Davis, one of the associate editors for the journal. During the EAPS meeting in Paris, we had the privilege of meeting up with Joyce O'Shea and Marta Theo from the University of Glasgow and Melbourne respectively. We were able to have a discussion on their paper uh, published in the journal on video laryngoscopy and the teaching of, of trainees. And we have an interesting discussion uh, on the topic of neonatal intubation training and video laryngoscopy. You can, as always, engage with the, the podcast and with the journal via the traditional methods through the child health section of the BMJ Facebook page via Twitter, ADC underscore FN, and through my Twitter handle at Jonathan underscore Davis3. Uh, I hope you enjoy the podcast. Apologies that it's a bit late this month and uh, we look forward to your, your feedback. So I'd just like to welcome our authors uh, who are with us to discuss today's paper on video laryngoscopy in, in preterm infants. And I'll have the authors uh, introduce themselves. Uh, Joyce O'Shea, my name, I'm a neonatologist in Glasgow, the Children's Hospital in Glasgow. And I'm Marta Dio, I'm a neonatologist at Royal Women's Hospital in Melbourne. Thank you very much, both of you, for, for taking part in this podcast. This is a, a live recording at the European Academy of Paediatrics in, in, in Paris, very uh, exotic location. Um, and so thank you for taking time out of the conference to speak with the, the journal. Um, can I just ask you just to give a little bit of background to your paper, which is uh, open access in this um, current print edition of the journal, and just give us a little bit of a feel for so uh, where the, the, the idea for the study came from um, and a little bit of background about video laryngoscopy in, in neonates. I may just start by introducing the background so you can get into it, Joyce. I was a consultant at the Women's where I am and Joyce joined us as a PhD student there um, and a fellow. And um, we both share an interest in education, I think, and that's probably what put us together uh, for her to do her studies for her PhD. And one of the problems we detected was that intubation um, is an issue for trainees. So she looked the background to run a study about it so you can explain that probably better. So for a variety of reasons it has never been harder to both learn and teach intubation and success rates across the board are falling and this is a this is an increasing issue and we had tried to explore a variety of different ways to try and improve teaching intubation and improve intubation success rates and what we like the idea of is the use of a video laryngoscope as a means of enabling the intubator and their supervisor to share the view of the airway. Mm. So we did a randomized trial and showed that success rates were significantly better if a supervisor could share the view of the inexperienced intubator on a, a separate screen and guide them through the intubation attempt. This paper then is, is looking a little bit more at the recordings that we made during mm. that trial. So again, one of the challenges of teaching intubation is you can't see what the intubator is seeing or the supervisor can't see what the intubator is seeing and their ability to guide them is pretty limited. So if the intubation attempt is unsuccessful, your ability to be able to give them decent feedback to improve the attempt the next time is pretty limited. So we had a series of recordings that were done during the original RCT that looked at control intubations. So these were intubations where the supervisor could not see the intubation attempt in real time and um, but we recorded them and kept this the screen hidden so we were able to look at them afterwards and therefore explain why an un unsuccessful attempt was unsuccessful and we thought this might be a useful area to explore further and share 
Okay, so could you describe the, 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 I guess there's two populations here being studied. There's a population of babies and a population of, of trainees that are, mm-hmm. that are Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Could you just talk us through who was being studied in the, the study population um, that, uh, that, you, that you used? In this paper. In this paper. So in this paper, we studied um, the events, actually, mm-hmm. that were unsuccessful. And we need to say that they were the events that we had recorded. So they are not all of them, mm-hmm. um, <coughs> a proportion of them. But uh, we think that they illustrate probably quite well what's going on. Um, when They were all elective medication. Exactly. So, that, yeah. mm. so, so that's, that's probably one of the... Uh, limitations of the study in terms of the process of intubating babies that many of them get intubated in the delivery room yeah, sometimes and then some others in the neonatal intensive care unit and when that happens there's one factor that we have consistently observed which is the lack of secretions when trainees want to intubate and mm-hmm. um, that we don't know about in the delivery room as a factor that may limit their success in intubating babies mm-hmm. so that's one of the things that we were not able to analyze but I um, Still, we think that the information that we got from those unsuccessful ones is quite yeah. consistent in yeah. a way um, across the board. Yeah. If you want to so we found, detail. I guess, what you might think is that a common reason that junior intubators were unsuccessful is that they they weren't familiar with the anatomy or they weren't mm. able to recognize their anatomical landmarks and kind of find their way reliably to the airway. Um, and they often did get there and didn't recognize they were there yeah. and or, or got there and then lost the view again. Mm-hmm. Um, they commonly will put a tube in an esophagus and not recognize it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also, the, all of these intubations were done using the video laryngoscope we used for the original trial. And the blade of that is ever so slightly different to the conventional blade. And okay. there was this reported difficulty that we had of people trying to get the tube around the blade, and that we found as well. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, could you just, for people who maybe aren't necessarily very familiar with video laryngoscopy, um, could you just talk through what the device actually looked like? Is it purely yeah. in a handheld? Because I know there are different systems come from the yeah. yeah. or a stick coming on a handheld. What device did you use? And yeah, well, that's there? a very good question, actually, because there's different brands mm-hmm. that have um, been producing video laryngoscopes and they are different from, from one another. And uh, when we looked for the device <coughs> to run the original study that we did, uh, we looked for a device that had the same handle that we would use in a non-video laryngoscopy, so a normal video laryngoscope handle. So we're creating almost like a muscle memory of... Exactly, kind of yeah. kind of yes. Theory, yeah. What we so, wanted was to use this as a teaching tool. We didn't want to teach video laryngoscopy. We wanted to, to, to teach, teach direct to laryngoscopy that would then translate to yes. real life setting when they when they okay. you know if yeah. they don't have a video laryngoscope. So in that sense they um of course different products have different handles, mm-hmm. different, different blades. blades, um different weights as well and different screens. Um some of them are devices where you can have a direct view like the one that we use for our study mm-hmm. where the um, person or the trainee who's doing the intubation actually still has to look directly into the baby's airway um, but on top of that there's a screen where you can actually see with the trainee seeing when you intubate whereas there are other brands that provide a screen but then you don't have direct view so okay. you can only intubate by looking at the screen mm-hmm. which um 
might be better or worse, doesn't matter, but what we wanted to do when we did the original study is to mimic as much as possible um, the current way of intubating babies. Okay. So, um, so the trainee had direct vision and the person beside exactly. had, had the video, the video <laughs> view, so it was teaching a conventional skill rather than uh, an intubation adjunct for a different yes, way. Exactly, yeah, yeah, different. What we were concerned about is the big problem with learning intubation is their lack of opportunity to practice. Mm. When we were younger we had lots and lots of more intubation opportunities than trainees have now yes. mm. and we were afraid as if you then teach a new skill yes. you will divide that small pool even further yes. and could make the problem worse rather than better. Mm. So we were aiming to teach direct laryngoscopy so that they could intubate in the traditional way okay. ultimately. And, and as you said, the main sort of findings were a lack of recognition of mm -hmm. anatomy. Yeah. And um, did you survey then or keep track of, of trainees and afterwards to determine whether they had then better success further down the line or was there a, a follow-up element to the... Uh, in this study we randomised intubations as opposed to infants or trainees. Of course. Okay. Um, so it was just each intubation was a separate event so we weren't able to track their, their um, success rates that way. Um, overall, the success rates were considerably higher than you would have expected in that population. Um, we surveyed them at the time and asked them if the intubation was unsuccessful, did they know why? And some bits they, they correlated very well. What correlated poorly was if they intubated the esophagus that was often not recognised. Mm. Do you have further plans to extend this work? Are there other papers in the, in the, in the pipeline in terms of... So there's a, a paper at the moment with archives looking specifically at the different blades okay. yeah. of the different video laryngoscopes sure. that are available in the UK okay. and um, comparing them to the conventional ones mm. and clearly delineating that difference so that therefore hopefully ultimately there can be a mm. product where that difference is not there. Yes, okay. yeah. um, I'm currently trying to translate this work into a real life setting, so a QI project that is, yeah. is, is and it, so far that's going very mm. well. And that's in Glasgow. That's in that's Glasgow. In Glasgow. Um, and then there's, there's a project too to use video laryngoscopy for, in the context of other studies, like certain <coughs> administration via MIST or okay. less invasive um, method of giving surfactant so we can actually report and not just by mm -hmm. ticking a box whether we think that it's gone into the right um, place or not, mm -hmm. but actually to be able to document when the intervention is done but with a video laryngoscope, whether it's true or not. That's what we're going to do in Melbourne mm -hmm. in the context of another study. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's an educational package that we are discussing at the moment, which um, involves not only the video laryngoscopy or the anatomy itself, but it, it will include many other things that we learned by doing the study, the original study in 2013, 2014, around the process of intubating um, and what it means for a trainee and what the teams need to look look like, how we can how can you help each other mm -hmm. uh, well, whether we are consistent in setting up the intervention mm -hmm. well for the best success. So all these things we are now trying to put together um, and publish this package of education. And, and video laryngoscopy is my 
impression, and perhaps you could correct me, is not very well undertaken in, in the unity units, and I don't know quite well, I think the yeah. uptake is steadily increasing. Yes. You think, you think I, I can increasing? comment on Scottish units, and most okay. of us have it now. Yeah. Most of you have yeah. a, a Now I have I've pushed yeah. it reasonably hard, but yeah. people are afraid of... Um, this, this falling success rates and intubation. Okay. It's yes. coming back quite consistently. And primarily, it's a, as we sort of said, I guess my feeling is that it can be used in two settings, one purely to education and one then as a as an adjunct for, for the difficult airways. So, yeah. Um, yes. yeah, but that's less of a problem in the neonatal community. Most of our airways are normal airways and yes. it's an inexperienced trainee yeah. is the bigger yes. problem. But yes, it's also very, very yeah. useful yeah. in the difficult air and we use it in that setting as well. But that's, if you want to... And that's what it's used for, I guess, more so in the adult community. And yes. the, but they have different challenges. Exactly. Yes. Um, yeah. But I think it's the best intubation training tool yes. currently available. And, and uh, it's very, your question is very interesting because it's not, it's uptaking slow. Um, I think number one because it's not a cheap device, mm -hmm. and of course, neonates are always the last ones to benefit from new technology. And therefore, if you work in a place, and a level three unit is a different story, but if you work in a place where your experience is going to be even less, it's such an uncommon event that the investment of buying the device, it's not a priority for the center. And then even if you buy it, you need to be able to you recognize to what it. you're seeing so you can intubate. So yes, it's a very- device has a learning curve that yeah. goes with Yes, it. yes. But, but I, I'm not asking you to, to, mm -hmm. to do a formal recommendation, but in your view, as people have published, published the most in this field, every unit leader should have one? In our unit, we tell the trainees that's what they will intubate with. Okay. Yes. We, we know their success rates are better with it and they're, they're very open to doing that. They, they do like yeah. the support they get Fantastic. with it. Yeah. They yeah. do like getting the tube in okay. um, and I think it's the way to go at the okay. moment. I think the yeah. technology will improve with time. Yeah. Yeah. The big issue at the moment is the differences in the blades. And yeah. They are subtle and you mm -hmm. can get around them, but you need to know how to but get around them. And we have described that a bit, but um, and that's both limiting in that it can be a different experience <coughs> for the trainee, yeah. but also if the supervisor is a senior person who has intubated for years, they feel uncomfortable with a device that feels different. Yeah, of course. Yes. Of course. Um, so the, yes. the smaller that difference is, the easier it can be to uptake. So yes. I am hoping that technology yeah. will go with us we'll on catch that. Up. Yes, yes. And, and in a more global scale as well, you want to use a device that then when trainees go away and go to other places that are smaller mm -hmm. and they are not going to have it, yeah. mm -hmm. that they can have a similar feel when they yeah, yeah. hold the handle Trans so they can, it can translate to a normal uh, yeah. laryngoscope, which yeah. is still I work to do on that. There, there is some Canadian work looking at the translatability. I think um, our trainees, we've had much discussion about that recently. You know, if we then intubate in our unit using the videoscope and then they go to a level two mm -hmm. that doesn't have one, yeah. you know, what, what would happen in the middle of the night? And I say, in the middle of the night, you need to phone for help because yes. you're not a competent intubator. Um, I still think to stick with it to keep pointing out the anatomy and to reinforce the anatomy mm. and then put them in a situation where they have to find it, they will. Mm. Uh, but mm. the anesthetic literature will say you need 40 plus tubes before you're competent. Yeah. Our junior trainees happen. might get 10 in a year, maybe. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's a small yeah. number. It's, 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 it's yes. Yeah, you'll go through your entire mm. training without getting 40 Boy. these days. Yes. But I can I can envisage, actually, this is, this is going to come mm. and it's going to be universal, I hope, um, especially because even with telemedicine, it might be easier to teach someone yeah. on the spot yeah, to do an intubation more successfully when there's not much confidence in the intervention. So 
we hope that we'll see it coming and being more spread. But in Australia, where the the original study was done, the uptake is slow. Mm -hmm. okay. And it's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it, in itself? Mm -hmm. But it's partly, I think, due to the equipment itself. Mm -hmm. um, buying it, having someone interested in it, being interested in using it and teaching it, because the device is fantastic, but if there's nobody to teach you the jump, one who's using it, it's, yeah. yeah. Mm. So we're hopefully going down that road as well. Okay. Mm. Well, thank you both very much. It's a, a very interesting discussion, a very interesting paper, and I hope that it will generate a, a reasonable amount of discussion both on the print journal and also via social media. So thank you both very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.